We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 392 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Hour Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. I usually ask you how you're doing. I mean, I'll I'll ask you how you're doing. I want to know how you're doing. How are you doing, Jordan? I am tired. (laughs) Exhausted. Um, And there's a fresh heaping pile of news that has... We were already planning on recording today. And uh, a five o'clock news dump, the likes of which we haven't seen in a while in Buck's land, came on our doorstep. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm sorry to break the news to anyone who doesn't know yet, but Mike Budenholzer has been fired as head coach to Milwaukee Books. That follows in the books 4-1 first round series loss to the Miami Heat. And I would say it's kind of been an eventful week for the books, except it hasn't. It's been a very, very quiet week. Honestly, I think for a whole host of reasons, um, certainly the media attention that emanated around the team the night of their elimination 
um, following Giannis's viral press conference moments. Nothing was quiet about that. Not sure there would have been a whole lot of appetite generally from anyone within the organization for more of that. We learned, I feel like if it was not the day after, it was the day after that, the really, really tragic news that Mike Budenholzer's brother had passed away in a car accident prior to game four of the series against the Heat, coaching through game four and five in the aftermath of that. Uh, perhaps no surprise then for a whole multitude of reasons. One being that tragic news and I guess trying to give some space to that and the other being what's happened today and Bud's dismissal as head coach, the books opted not to do exit interviews. <sighs> really tough one. I, I I don't know. I think it's it's kind of wrong that as a fan base and when you say a fan base, this kind of boils down to, you know, ticket holders, season ticket holders, uh, fans who line your pockets with merchandise sales, essentially the people who keep the lights on. Um, the people who are, are this whole venture is supposedly for not to get to hear from the players and not to get I don't know I, I guess we'll get into some of the elements of fronting up or accountability or what we really need or how all of that works which again was so much of a hot button topic in the aftermath of the book's loss that's tough and at the same time yeah well you shouldn't drop Bud out there just after he's lost his brother and he's powered true and even more so there would have been if that wouldn't have been the most soulless thing possible the most soulless thing certainly would have been to trot him out there for exit interviews and to fire him by the end of the week um this is all bad jordan this is all really bad this is my first time talking about any of this i wasn't wasn't around for the post game five podcast and I'll be honest, I haven't watched the game. I haven't watched the game. Uh, couldn't watch it live. You're better off. You're better off. Well, this is what I was going to say. I've twice been like, I've planned to do it. And every time, like, Ty Windish so strongly, like, reprimands me and tells me I'm never to watch the game. So I've, I've eventually taken his word for it. I mean, I've seen all the clips of the most contentious... Uh, timeouts that were and were not called and the key plays and all of the pain i guess um but i wasn't overly disappointed to take a few days and let this set in and i think i'd approach the point where i'm like you know what it's it is it's podcast time let's unpack this let's get ready to talk about it and the book's truest a curveball that's not the greatest shot. We're talking about it all right. But it's still like it's still so monumental that I know you were very much in a headspace when we talked with this privately that it was just a matter of time and they were gonna fire Bud. I had my doubts. I was just like the books are so much of a a closed book to us in so many ways, and John Horst really is an enigma for as much as his fingerprints have been all over this era of the books, as much as people will hail so many big transactions that he has masterminded to get the books to the point they are, I think anyone who says they have even the slightest understanding of how his brain works or how the decision-making 
works is a liar. Like, I just I don't think it's easy to get a handle on. You and I follow this closer than most. I'm not so bold to predict John Horst. And I, I don't think we've ever really approached that point because he's just he's not John Hammond. Where John Hammond, it's very it was very easy to get a, a feel for how does Hammond work his way through this kind of situation or what kind of player is Hammond looking for in a draft? Of course, we all know what that looked like. Um, or what will Hammond do around the trade deadline? We just we had a sense for all of those things. John Horst, I think, has pretty consistently caught us off guard, whether it's moving contracts that seemed untradeable and at somewhat unexpected times or really going all in with big trades. If anything, the only thing that we've come to expect is that he will go all in at any time. Maybe this is the latest of those moves. I don't know. I don't know. Will will we get into that or will I will I share I guess I don't I don't even know what my thoughts are, Jordan, but I can ramble for a couple of minutes to try and get through what I think of the Bucks losing to the Heat in the first round. If you if you want to do that, then we can get into uh, I better stuff. I better do that and get it out of the way. Um It was a failure, first and foremost. Oh, it, that, that word is a hot button word these days. <laughs> I'm, I'm using it. It was a failure. It was a failure in the context that I think is really important to apply to all of this and everything we're going to talk about, particularly when it comes to Bud. I'm up Bud's last two weeks being like, it was a failure in a sporting sense, which honestly doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> like in the, in the bigger picture, this is so trivial. We live in breed this stuff day in day out we have done for years and you know what what does it all come down to i mean it disapplied last year too but I, I guess i've taught more of it not in the way where in a warm and fuzzy way i can draw on it but i've been looking back to the books winning a championship over the past week more to kind of like i don't know just get a get a grip on this and center myself as in what was the point of all of that emotionally? Like where, where is that as the anchor point? What is the high of that relative to where we are now? And for that to mean everything it did, then how do you wrap your head around? How do you come in at a place where there's an understanding of most years are going to be like this one, you know? And, And honestly, before the books win a championship again it is very possible there will be much much worse years than the one we've just had so losing in the first round as a team with the best record in the nba is a complete sporting failure it is also the kind of thing that just happens and increasingly happens in the nba i think if you look around the league at what the playoff picture looks like now and you look at the last few years I mean, the playoffs couldn't be more wide open now, and it's because these kind of things are happening with increasing frequency. Not necessarily a number one seed losing in five games, but I I don't think this is something that's going to be all that uncommon going forward. I think we are in a time of greater parity, greater unpredictability, and look, the Heat are a team who were good enough, like this is proven, whether we like it or not, that if the books didn't bring it, if the books aren't their best, 
they could beat Milwaukee. And more than that, it boils down to when you're playing a team in this league that has just a genuine game-changing star, if you're not at your best, that player can burn you. And Jimmy Butler like was just mind-blowingly good out of this world like i i've spent the past couple of years in like perpetual fear of kevin durant based on how well he played against the books for the nets that will still be the case he may still be number one because of his overall resume as a player for me in the fear stakes this was a better performance in a series this is the best performance we've seen anyone have against the books um, I think largely under discussed, and I even think brushed aside is the fact he cooked Drew Holiday. I mean, Jimmy Butler was talking about it. He was talking about it on the court in Game <laughs> Five, but in even a lot of the, I guess the the post mortem, the postscript, the analysis I've read since, a lot of people not quite diving into just how much that burned the books. Um, is that Drew Holiday? arguably the best defender on the team. You know what? At times, arguably the best defender in the entire NBA. He had nothing, nothing for Jimmy Butler across the course of a series. A game. Yeah, not, not even not even a single game. That's that's a really tough spot to be in. Um, And I guess to go back to the overall part of this, which, look, I know a lot of people listening will be like... They won't like this. They won't like this way of thinking. I just, I don't have the anger to spend on it. I I just don't have it at this point. In part, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is I feel like we've been through this before, but we're just dealing with it from a place of different expectations. And this is part of the perspective that I was kind of, in my head, I was, I was wondering, would the books... I wanted the books to take their time on Bud, and honestly, I wanted them to take more time than this. And if they were going to fire him, I want them to take their time on a new hire, which it sounds like they're going to do. And part of the reason for that is, one, I think now that you've done this, this could be it. This could be the moment that all falls apart um, for all of Bud's flaws that are well-documented and certainly were right at the surface of what went wrong in this series. This is peak we've got to find a fall guy season. This is the most convenient fall guy. It always is the coach, but in Bud's case, there's been vocal criticism of him from media for years. There has been vocal criticism of him among the fan base too, for quite some time. So this is the logical move to make. This is the one that if you're within the organization, you're going to go this way. If you get the hire wrong, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a spot where you're like, Mm. we had more than we realized in what Bud was bringing from a coaching perspective. I think the way where this could be most telling is from a culture perspective and how just the books became like the drama-free version of the books who were able to win relentlessly and put themselves in a position and put us in a position where we could at least enter the playoffs every year and be like, this game could win a championship. If they get this hire even slightly wrong, that's gone and you may never get it back. And this could be the beginning of the end. And it was always going to be the case that whatever the next decision was, whether it was Bud, whether it was 
deciding to trade someone or if it's one of the kind of core players opting to leave in free agency as there are possibilities for this this offseason they are the moments where the game changes and it could be changed for the worse for the foreseeable future and we could be staring down the end of an era um not not to absolutely depress the hell out of everyone but I, I do think like that's part of where coming out of this, you look at the outcome and it wasn't the first round, but this team lost 4-1 to the Miami Heat before having had the best record in the NBA or the East? I think the NBA. NBA. And they came back the next season. They won an NBA championship. I do not believe that that was beyond this group. I I I'm very much convinced that's an unpopular opinion, but I I do not believe that they couldn't have brought Bud back. There would have been changes to the roster because that's just year on year you're going to have changes, and this is an off season that's going to require some of that. But I think the core of what the books have been could have remained the same. Bud could have remained a head coach. Maybe you'd look to make some uh, some higher profile changes or have some requests for how his staff would shape up. And they could have gone and done something like that. They could still do something like that with the next coach in the post-Bud era. But I think I've just had a hard time reconciling that we've won a championship. So... The ups and the downs and the journey and how fast it can turn for the better or indeed for the worse kind of being lost. I don't know. There's a perspective there that I've been wrestling with as I try to make sense of this. I think that's where I come down. And it feels like this is like, yeah, it's talk of the books fans. It's talk of the books fans I've spoken to. It's probably talk of the books fans within GSPN, but it's also just talking to like the wider discourse like the national discourse around this. Um, you actually brought to my attention, I don't know if you even got a chance to read this yet because of how things unfolded. David Aldridge had a good piece in The Athletic today that actually kind of, when I read it, I was like, God damn it, this is on a podcast tonight, David Aldridge, and this is some of the stuff I'd kind of been working to, which is, you know, it doesn't have to be terminal, um, but... The books right now are in a more precarious position than they were when the final buzzer went on game five. Because you've made the big, bold decision, the decision that everyone say, well, had to be made. This is always, always the thing I warn about with coaches. At the last time I probably had to do this at length was when people want, wanted Bud fired after the previous Heat series. You you don't necessarily know what you've got until it's gone. And the the kind of the the alchemy that goes into like a winning formula in an NBA team and an NBA locker room, everything around that. I mean, there's countless examples all around the league where you can look and all of a sudden, you know, it changes and whatever changes shouldn't necessarily from the outside, that shouldn't have caused this. In fact, it should have fixed this. And it may never be the same again. So I guess that's my overall take is it sucked. It's like it is a, as 
disappointing as it can possibly be to lose in the first round, there is this intense feeling of being on the clock of we've got Giannis, we're in Giannis's prime, and what do we do next? A lot of the chips have been spent, though. Like, Horses cashed in a lot of what he can do. And the revamp, the overhaul of this roster is not going to make the team better. Maybe that is also the reason why this is the chip he's decided to play, which is fire the coach and hope a new coach comes in and makes it work. Because honestly, that's easier than being like, oh, well, we're going to improve in free agency. Good luck with that. You don't have the ability to do it. Uh, Oh, we're going to improve with trades. Good luck with that. You really don't have the ability to do it. I mean, you could maybe swing one trade, but everyone else around the league will be aware of the position the books are in now. Um, if if it's a higher profile player, if it's Chris Middleton and the books are like, it's time to move on from Chris, pretty sure eyes around the league will also be open to that. Yeah, the books want to move on from Chris Middleton and it might be time that they do that. Um, or if it's Drew Holiday or whatever way it goes, if it's the likes of Grayson Allen or Bobby Portis, like... The books are not coming from a position of strength. And I think that is ultimately where the disappointment of game five and losing the series is one thing. I've spent the last week in this kind of, I don't know, state of dread every time I think about the books and honestly trying not to think about them a whole lot because it just felt like, yeah, whatever's coming is setting up what's so much bigger and what is very easy for them to get wrong. And very easy that they could get it wrong. They could do everything by the book. They can hire a coach that we're all like, that's a good coach. That's a really good coach. Whether it be a proven winner or a high level assistant or whatever direction they go. And it just may not work the same way. And you know what? (laughs) It's a tough conference. It's a tough league. Even if it does work. You could go and win 58 games in the regular season. You could look like a really good team. You could enter the postseason and we could all be like, this team's gonna this team's gonna win a championship. I think they look good to win a championship, and you could lose in the first round. Such is the NBA, but the stakes are high for the books. Um I yeah, I'm not surprised. But I'm certainly not happy. Um, this is going to be a far more different podcast than the last time we um, talked about a coaching change five years ago. Uh, also, an I think an important note, like for one, for fans and their expectations, but also for the books uh, and. Yeah you know, the actual task of hiring the coach and getting it right. We all know, I think anyone listening and who was around, they really could have, they could have hired pretty much anyone who was on the the menu of options available to them when kid was fired and they would have got better. Yeah. Now, they may not have got as good as they got with Bud, but they would have got better. Like that was that was the position that they were building off of. That is just not going to be the case now, for reasons that may be visible and reasons that may not. Like I, one of the things I know that uh, 
a lot of people feel very passionately about, and I don't blame them. It's like Bucks need to get a coach who can like who can build an elite offense out of this roster. I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. The Bucks have had an elite defense for Bud's entire time with the team. And if an offensive mind coach comes in and fixes the offense, but the defense drops off, that could be the thing that ultimately brings that version of the team down. Like, it's, this is a brave new world, essentially, is what that comes down to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that that's that's where we are at. This is the game five and a first round collapse um, against the Heat. You're, no one's going to go. Someone is going to have to fall on that. Mike Boonholzer is falling on that. And yes, did he have the greatest, or did he have a subpar coaching performance? Did he call push the right play or push the right buttons at the right time? Did he? know how many timeouts that he had left and didn't use them or whatever. Yeah, it's very obvious that he did not have that, all that stuff. I also, I know we have history of, well, the Bucks collapsed against Toronto. They had the bubble. They had, you know, time, you know, life or death times during the title run. They lost to the Celtics in seven games, even without Chris. Like, that's just what happens. It just what it is what happens. And it doesn't excuse the fact that, you know, the Bucks got one championship out of the greatest five years that we have ever experienced as a fan. That stuff, like once that we're getting greedy when it's like, oh, we only got one championship. I was like, I can only think back to it, you know, not to copy the words of a famous Greek. Bucks player, but the fifty years where the Bucks didn't win a championship, like we were, our thinking was let's just get one, let's just get there. And the moment that it that we got there, and then it became a possibility, and then it became a reality. 
it was okay let's keep going let's keep going and I, of course you want to do that you're never going to be graced with a player as great as Giannis is as you know at how this team came together and made the right moves at the right time in part because they had to do them you know I mean like we talk about the fire that was under bud after the heat the first heat collapse in the second round of the in the bubble they may they do the move for Drew Holiday. It wasn't like they were operating out of a position of strength either then. They're, the point of make trading all those picks to get Drew was because, hey, there's not much else that you can do outside of if you're gonna keep the coach, then you're improving the roster. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's kind of one or the other, as you know, we're dealing with the different side of that this time around. I don't know. I just I know people will be happy by it i know people perpetually not understand the fact that mike boonholzer is you know essential to the bucks turning around because we know what it was like before that they were not they were always a passing fad a passing thought for the nba at large yeah i mean and that changed when bud came to town and you know i would like to see I'm not going to expect people to ever come around on that, especially after how it ended. No, I mean, the fact they will, though, it's just it's not they're not going to come around on it in the time that you and I are probably talking about on a podcast, Jordan, unless 30 years from now, you know, (laughs) we're still doing this. Like you and I probably know this better than most. Um, It's it's for better and worse. You know, people forget everything with time. And Bud is immortal. He's not. He's not just immortal because of he won a championship and he's one of two coaches to have done that in Milwaukee. He has the highest winning percentage of any coach in the history of the franchise. Uh, he has won at a sixty-nine point three percent winning percentage in the regular season and at a sixty percent rate in the postseason. So he's number one all time regular season books coach number two just behind Larry Costello in the postseason you talk about the last few years and the idea of are we getting greedy or I guess how do we process that the idea that there have been oh the books have blown it again the books have exited at this stage and this year or I have a way that I always visualize NBA history, and this comes down to the kind of parts of the way where I became obsessed with it, and that is when you go to a team's seasons page on Wikipedia and you scroll through their entire history. And you, <laughs> you, see the, you see the column that's for postseason appearances, and you'll see how long it is and what's there. And without even looking at it now, like what the book's five-year run largely resembles is what their teams in the 80s looked like when they were one of the very best teams in the NBA when they achieved a level of excellence and consistency that honestly I mean the franchise may never see again let's hope Giannis is here throughout the next five years and the Bucks keep winning at a level where they're a playoff team every year and they can win a series every year um, and they get to that place with this group. But they're like that great, great 80s team 
who were also going up against incredible talent. And the difference turns between out, the teams is those, that... those 80s players, Jordan, they did not get an NBA championship. And I don't know, like, <laughs> this is, I want to be clear, none of this podcast, I don't want to be telling anyone how to feel because there's a strength of feeling and a feeling just on a lot of this that I can't relate to. I just don't understand it. Uh, that Part of that is probably I'm 31 years old and probably spiritually about twice as old as that because <laughs> you you and I have been doing this shit for a long time, Jordan. Yes. And we, we've been through it with the books and long before the books, before while well, the books were still just, you know, I don't know, a glint in my eye. Um, I've been through this stuff with other teams and I've watched the NBA and I understand the cycles of it. It's just in the last decade, there's only two franchises who've won multiple titles. And they are LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch's Miami Heat, and the Golden State Warriors. They're two to- two like all-time anomalies when it comes to roster construction. That's it. Everyone else has got one. Everyone else has got one. And that is kind of the reality of it. And the books could still come out of that and it could be two years from now, it could be three years from now. And honestly, I mean, I'll be disappointed year to year. If they lose in the first round next year, if they lose in the first round the year after that, they lose in the first round the year after that, and then the year after that, somehow they find a way to win a championship, we're going to be like, they've won two championships in eight years. <laughs> what a time to be a Bucks fan. Um, and that's, it's still in play. It's much more difficult. I I have real concerns about just... I guess the viability of this era of books basketball going forward, how sustainable this is, like, can it be the 10 year stretch that we hoped it would be? It's still 100% possible, but this is the test of it. This is the test of it. And it does, it's not to me again, it's not because you lost four, one to the heat. It's because how you react to that. So they've reacted in, in one way and that's firing bud. I wonder will roster change come too in more drastic ways? Honestly, it may need to. If you're going to fire a bud, maybe you go all in on that. But the risk is there, and it's how all of this pans out, how one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, we look back on, okay, they fired bud, and then this happened next, and then this happened next. And where are those, where are those succession of what are likely just going to be three, four to five decisions? that are going to have followed the series against the Heat, were they the right decisions overall? And if the answer is not yes, I mean, for fear of blowing the Anus era, they may have undid something, which is which mm. is what is so scary about it. It's it's like if you don't act, you're, you're caught in some sort of... I don't know purgatory although that's not really the right phrasing to use because what kind of purgatory is winning like 55 plus games and entering the playoffs with a chance to win it all every year but if you stand still it's only gonna i guess get the the nba chatter machine rolling even more of how does Giannis feel about this or how does Giannis feel about that and yet 
if you make the changes, you make the drastic changes, you you could undo something that not only was very good, but is one of the greatest things you've ever had in the entire history of the franchise. And just on the on the subject in bringing up the idea of Giannis's future, which I've already seen a lot of stuff just like online that I don't even know if it's sourced, seeing referred to like random accounts, and I'm like, is that real? Do I even want to go looking? Do I care? The other thing, because we've mentioned a bunch of times and we'll continue to mention that Bud brought an NBA championship to Milwaukee. Bud got Giannis to re-sign in Milwaukee. And two MVPs. If the next coach is the right coach and Giannis sees out his career in Milwaukee and the Bucks just continue to win a whole bunch of games and if they get another championship or we at least get some more fun runs where it's conference finals, it's finals... Bud's fingers are on that. A Jason Kidd-like coach still being around, I, there's a real chance he leaves. There's a real chance he leaves. I believe that, and I wouldn't blame him. But the Bucks became not just a team that was winning basketball games, but honestly, they became an organization. They became a team on the court that between John Horst's work in the front office and between the coaching philosophy that was instilled by Bud and his staff, it reflected Giannis's whole vibe, his personality. It became the place that was the perfect fit for him. So this wasn't just about, well, this is the city that embraced me. This is the city that welcomed me in, that gave me my chance. But it, I really believe the idea of the city that felt like home because I think the team couldn't have felt more like home. Maybe someone else comes in and that keeps rolling. But what was important to get to the championship, what was important to move into this next phase where we can still have those those kind of lofty hopes and expectations even, is that was the really precarious time. And Bud played a key role on and off the court in what happened with the Bucks to ensure that Giannis is still a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's under contract, and we'll see what happens from here. Yeah. I don't, I mean, the thing too is that like everything about how Bud came, and even just this era, it was right place, right time, and it like the fact that it aligned that that he leaves Atlanta. They were on a different timeline that he wanted to be on. The Bucks clearly didn't want to be underachievers anymore. They wanted to achieve something. And this, they rewrote the script of what was possible so fast that, yeah, you get two MVP seasons out of Giannis, you, which helps them re-sign. They built this culture that didn't really exist before then. Um, and we'll see how it exists afterwards if it does. But, like, so much about it worked out the way that it should have worked out. And I know there was grueling losses um, that occurred on their way to the mountaintop and, you know, now the descent. But that's part of what you have to do. This tea was so green, pardon the pun, that it took someone of Bud's capability to build a culture, make the right, you know, tear through the regular season multiple times 
And I've seen people talk about like, you know, 16 game players and now it's 16 game coach and all this stuff. And it's like, to your point of like, well, you fixed what you think it was a problem, but you're kind of rewriting everything. Like this is not like anybody that walks to this job, whether it's Nick nurse who has, you know, a championship ring or whatever, or if it's an unproven assistant, whether that's from Bud staff, that's the other thing I want to invoke here too. But fingerprints are all over the Bucks' history now. It's all over the NBA. Darvin yes. Ham is it's ridiculous. The coach of the, the Lakers. Quinn Snyder, I know it's just a year, but Kenny Ack, like the tree. I've seen, I've is... seen Kenny Atkinson's name. I've seen people already be like, "Oh, Kenny Atkinson could be in the mix." It's like, uh, okay, so. Do you want to know more about Kenny Atkinson's, you know, coaching background and some of his philosophies and like, which I don't have a problem with that, honestly. I mean, Charles Lee has a very strong case. The books may look and be like, yeah, Darvin Ham is a really good coach and culture setter. And he might just manage to turn a very bad, messy Lakers season, like most Lakers seasons are now around and... I don't know, deliver a championship, at least go on a deep yeah. run, scare the Warriors, whatever it might be. Add to that, though, even if you're not looking at it in that top-end way, I mean, the the reality here, in all likelihood, particularly with the kind of coach Bud is and how, how he has built his staffs and how his assistants and his behind-the-scenes personnel have always been very loyal to him, you are not just parting ways with Bud. In all likelihood, it's going to run much deeper than that because this is not a hodgepodge staff. You know, this is not, oh, this coach has been here 18 months or like, let's say, for example, if Charlie doesn't land an NBA head coaching job this offseason, which I would say is unlikely, but not impossible, particularly interviewing for one might be interviewing for a second. He might, and he may be interviewing for more beyond that, but it's on the playoffs shakeout too. Yeah. But we saw how long it took Darvin Ham, and just because it seems like it's your time, it may not be the time just yet. Uh, Could a new coach come in and just keep Charles Lee if they wanted? I would say probably not. Um, It may hinge on Bud's plans, whether Bud wants to take time out, which I... Who knows, but I would guess at this point he may want to take time out um, based on his personal circumstances, but also based on he hasn't had time out, like, ever. He literally interviewed and got the Hawks job while the Spurs were in the middle of the finals against the Heat. He loses his job with the Hawks and is immediately into the books job. Like, he's the best part of 30 years without any kind of downtime. If he decides to get back into it, he will get a job somewhere. I'd be very confident of that. And whether it's Charles Lee, if he's not hired, or if it's Patrick St. Andrews, or if we want to kind of go down his staff, I guarantee a lot of those people will go with him. And those, those... staff from just kind of a much just the kind of thing where we can only go what we hear but it's also a lot of people will just be dismissive of it because we can't see the day-to-day workings but the relationships built there are the ways that those people have complemented 
what the books have become too. Like that's also part of what you're parting ways with right now. That's the, I mean, the fact that this win in six follows the, our last win in six where it's gushy about Mike Boonholzer and just what his whole attitude and coaching mindset. I mean, I think it's going to be why, more. And why he doesn't like to call timeouts. Let's <laughs> Just gonna put that out there because well, well, breeze past that one, but it was... <laughs> I, I mean, everyone just seemed to just like we we knew we knew going in, we knew how it worked for good, and we know it works for bad. But go on, continue. I just I don't know. It's this is the NBA, and I know I've keep seeing the uh, Nick Nurse got fired. Um, Frank Vogel is a free agent head coach too, like. Oh Jesus! Two years. Oh no! I'm just saying. No, I'm saying they. Oh, championship, championship winning coaches, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, championship winning coaches, and then they get fired. You know, however many years later after that, a ring doesn't buy you a lot of time. This goes to show you the fact that that those is true. those two guys though got fired at a lower ebb than where the books were with Bud. Exactly. They like, they did this not. Is... This is a level of which I, I can't think of too many parallels for it. And like it's the the extent to which everyone was so committed and just you can hear just the collective NBA voice in unison of this had to happen. And I'm not I'm not pushing back on that. Like this just may well have been time for a whole variety of reasons. But if I was in John Horst's seat, I I think I would really have wanted to I don't know. Ultimately, Wrestle with that the, a bit the more. Thing to, the thing, too, that we have to touch here is that, yes, John Horst is the you know, the GM. He oversees everything like that. This is not exactly. This is up top. This is an ownership group. The fact that John Horst and I'm not saying he's a reason for it, but the fact that both John Horace and Peter Fagan provided statements for Party Ways with Bud um, through the Bucks official press what? release. Why is Peter Fagan's name on those statements? I would, this, my take on that is to float out signs of stability. This is a, a hard decision. He's the business it's, guy. I understand. I know. It's, he, they've uh, never used him outside. His name of, doesn't belong in the statements. And I'm sorry. It's, bullshit if you're an owner of this team put your name on the statement put your name in the statement and if the team isn't doing exit interviews which well they did one well (laughs) understandable understandable why exit interviews didn't take place in the traditional way John Horst has to go out and speak then I know we're going to hear from him soon yeah, ownership have to go out and speak. Like you can bat stuff away, like you do as an organization. Anytime you speak, anyway, like no one's expecting John Horse to ever come out and say anything because he just doesn't. And you know that gets lauded, obviously, or they all feel that's great and it's it's protecting it's competitive advantage. We get lauded until things change and success isn't well, quite I'm what pr- it was. I'm pretty, with Bud. Du- I'm pretty dubious as to the benefits of that element of their approach. I think the books maybe pat themselves in the back a bit too much for that. But, like, 
not important until it is important. Something like Peter Fagan's name being on the statement, weird. Yeah, he's been around a long time. He is one of the public faces tied to ownership. He's the business guy. This is a decision to ha- to fire the head coach. Like, yeah, John Horst's name's going to be on it. But grow a pair if you're an owner and put your name on it. Get Jimmy Haslam's name on it, Jordan. Yeah. I. This uh... is also something that I... Uh, I'm not, I'm not, we were planning on doing a podcast. I think we would have some way talked about the coaching, but probably also not talked about it in the way that we would now, because honestly, with the news about Bud and everything in his life, it just, I didn't, I don't know how to approach any of that. The, The books, the way the books approached it, honestly, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. They were like, well, we'll give him a couple of days. Well, that's better. That's, Exactly. That's the thing is, I mean, we talked about it on post game five pod, and now it even. This is whatever you want to talk about bulk bucks culture or whatever like that. If it exists beyond Bud, then I will applaud them for whatever that they want to credit themselves to doing and all that stuff that they have. But this is a cold, hard business decision, and. You know, you're judging it from we didn't reach our ultimate goal of winning a championship or, you know, it could be a step down from that of returning back to the NBA finals when we thought, you know, we were the number one seed. We thought everybody, we were the prohibited title favorite, all that stuff. And that's valid. But, you know, it's (laughs) some of the, the process of a lot of things under when big decisions have had to be made for the Bucks, hasn't always been clean, and yet they worked out. Well, uh, that's part of what I wanted to get to, and I like a lot of this is reported and it's out there, so I feel like people will be on top of it. Like we can go back to when Horse was far was hired, and we can go back to Arturus Karnasovas and everything around that. The hiring process has went on on that, by the way. Yeah, maybe, but honestly, if they thought he was the guy and they botched it, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, of uh, course, yeah. I'm not. I'm not interested in if they ultimately. Well, the, the thing too about that, not I know you're about to make a point. That was a dispute among the owners of who they wanted, and one of those owners is now gone. So you're having another owner who. Obviously, have some thoughts about how the Bucks are going to be run, considering they just fired their championship coach. I don't know if that you matters, like, though. I don't. From from I the reporting, already no, but from the reporting, we've already heard of how under what was the Lazary Eden's dining ownership, decisions were made, and when problems arose, it wasn't necessarily a secret as to where some of the missteps came from and when some of the greater complications came from, it hasn't always been Wes Eden's strong suit. And I know it's something that there is an element of it, which is anecdotal, but we've talked about on pods before. And you, if you're on books, Twitter, you'll have seen plenty of chatter about it. There has always been this idea of, okay, there are these things that went really, really poorly. (laughs) There are these decisions and this, rotating governorship and people have tried to map on 
and there is always this sense of things did stabilize under Lazarus' governorship, at least in terms of the decision-making ended up being a lot cleaner, a lot smoother. That could yes. be as simple as this group grew increasingly experienced as owners, and collectively yeah. they were better. That may also be that Mark Lazary had a tighter handle on that than Wes Edens. Now, for this decision to come along so soon after that change too, I don't think could be understated. You are right. I'm not. I'm not trying to kind of explain away the impact that Jimmy Haslam being like a major voice in the room. I would he know NBA coaches like that? I I actually don't believe so from the kind of statements that have come out of him talking about the NBA. I honestly I don't know if the man knows basketball at all. I'm not. I'm not trying to be flippant. I really I have no idea if he's actually even slightly a basketball fan or if he's a collector of sports teams. So how all of that plays out is an additional concern here. Um now maybe Haslam's approach to that, which he's kind of said was going to be his approach generally, is these guys know what they're doing. I'm gonna take hands off for a while. I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna watch what they do. Please for the love of God. Please <laughs> But we don't know if that's going to be the thing either, because Edens might feel like, well, you know, I've been around this NBA block quite some time now. I've got some ideas about the type of coach. And like, just to use that as an example, he could be like, Nick Nurse, he won a championship. Let's hire him. Where maybe the path that the Bucks need to take is more of the. Whether it's keeping like literally an extension of what's been there, and it's Charles Lee, or if it's an equivalent highly touted assistant elsewhere That's... i don't know but there's also like do we there's change within the owners that we know too because there's one of the significant voices has left the room that changes i guess just the dynamic of decision making because haslam is going to be deferential to some extent i do think that's going to be the case i don't think i don't think he's equipped to be otherwise jordan i know um, do we do okay. we want do we want the West Edens outside the influence? I don't know. He's got a lot of experience. Aston Villa, uh, just for the they record, just hired their coach, and That's they up. they hit a home run. I mean, obvious from when they hired him, Unai Emery was a fantastic hire. Has been a real success everywhere he's been. Um, in spite of the fact that not the ultimate success at Arsenal and kind of for all kinds of problematic reasons, became a punch bag in England and amongst Premier League fans and the English press. It's fantastic with Villarreal, and that's Wes Eden's other team. He's not necessarily the majority owner there, but he is very significant. They made the right hire, and Aston Villa have soared up the Premier League table from potentially being worried about relegation to pushing hard for European football late in the season. So... Like, yeah, we can look to that, and that's great. I just, we don't know. And the book's ownership, this is now the worst possible time for the ownership to have changed. Yes. Just because of yes. the uncertainty. Just because it's not as stable. Everyone doesn't know exactly where they are or what they're doing in the way that they have, we'll say, for five years now. Like, um, 
a lot of the teething issues of the early years of the ownership, they did get out of the way and they, they did a pretty good job. Maybe the trust in Horst is so strong that he's just empowered. That's interesting too, though, because... Johnny, you're next up on the chopping block, my guy. If, if you get Here's this... Johnny! If you get this wrong, it's probably his turn next season, you know, in terms of if they're trying to find where, where they can chip things that up, is the, where they can that change is the things thing up. That... That's and what's it's... gonna happen now. The the thing too, like reading all the obituaries and eulogies of this Bucks season from a lot of people that I like to cultivate both the local people that have been plugged in all season long and people doing it from a bird eye, bird's eye view because ultimately getting both opinions matters in the long run. And the overwhelming things that kept coming up reading anything that was related to Bud and the Bucks. One, his contract. The Bucks are eating two years of his contract, $60 million. Not nothing. That's additional stuff that's going to be tacked on to how much spending that they're going to have to do this offseason. Could have used it towards the luxury tax bill this offseason for sure. Yeah. So, And I hope that doesn't become a factor into that too. I Exactly. But... Everything was tied to 2025. His contract, John Horst's contract, Giannis's contract had an opt-out. Drew, I think, would have had either... That might have been when his contract or extension slash contract ended up. I know Chris and Brooke are currently where they are. But that was, after winning the title, you get a three years, four years of security, blah, 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 blah. Shows you how much security that actually gives you. Um, everything, all that is out the window. You know what I mean? Like that is, those numbers exist, but things, the by doing this, you add urgency to, you can't screw it up next year because talk about Giannis's future and everything like that. He's eligible for extension that Bobby Mark says, why would you do an extension this year because you're one of the best players on the, on the planet and you could get this get another super max contract as b- way bigger than the one that you already have even if you have you know a, a devastating injuries knock on wood all that stuff you have all that you have an aging team everything like that that you feel like that's the thing that everything this move just feels to me is that they are just going to pit it all on Bud, and it's like that's not ultimately not how this happened. But it's it is. I agree completely. I could not agree more. It is the easiest way out for the organization and for fans to be like the coach is the problem. Replace the coach, and the winning will continue and. It will, more importantly, it I mean, will continue when it matters. But it's, again, John Horst is, like, very close to outer chips to play. Like, they're, they've used so much of what they have at their disposal. With the age profile of the players, I, I mean, honestly, in this situation now, part of me is like, Pity those guys aren't a little bit older and those contracts aren't a little bit closer to expiring. 
uh, as in that the books could have some cap space at some point because that's that's a way you could improve potentially. I know that would deal with a whole bunch of uncertainty of who wants to come play in Milwaukee and we'd find that out. I do think the answer to that would be very different, although we may never actually get the answer because they may not get caps, have cap space in the entire time that Giannis is with the books. But without that, making trades to upgrade this team? I don't know. I don't know how, he, how he'll do it. Now, I've said that before and he's found ways, but this is really, really close to just being out of things to do, ways to maneuver. Like, you can't rely on some Hail Mary draft pick from somewhere because you don't have draft picks most of the time for the next few years. Or at least worthwhile ones. That's really tough. Beyond that, though, and to circle back to the kind of the idea that part of this is the way of the NBA. And when you look at what the books have achieved and what hopefully they'll continue to achieve, I don't think you can be too flippant about it and honestly just be like, yeah, well, they need to win. They've got Giannis, so they need to win. This books team is constructed very, very differently to pretty much all of the other teams in regular contention and to the other teams that have been winning championships in recent years. They are a one superstar team. They are one superstar team and their stars and their stars are below a level that most other teams look for with second and third options with this level of contention are getting older. They're approaching post-prime. This is part of that life. This is part of why it was so special that the books got one because they got one in their own way, and honestly, in the only yes. way you could if you were Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And now to maneuver out of that, and this is our own particular doomsday clock. I know that every now and then you and I would have a crisis episode about, which is often like, they've got no draft picks. What are they going to do? They've got no draft picks. They're this deep into the tax they've got no flexibility to make the roster better. Like when we look at what could they do this off season and what makes them better. It's very difficult to find something to sell. That's a move that is going to be as impactful as we're firing bud. And I'm sure an element of self-preservation comes into that for other people too. If you're John Horst, if you're ownership, it's like, well, we have to be seen to be doing our job. And that's where the food chain factors in then. And Bud is a few steps down on that. Any head coach would be. I mean, in their statement, they, they, I will read it right now. Read it. We haven't Uh, done that. Dear Bucks fans, today we announced that the Milwaukee Bucks have parted ways with head coach Mike Budenholzer. This is a very difficult decision but helped lead our team to for five incredible seasons to the Bucks' first title in 50 years and into an era of sustained, sustained success. We are grateful for the culture of winning and leadership that Bud helped create in Milwaukee. This is an opportunity for us to refocus and re-energize our efforts as we continue building toward our next championship season. Thank you for the loyal, loyal support. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. The one problem I have 
with this. And it's why I... Pandora's box has been opened. Yes. And part of... When I think back to that Tuesday night, July 20th, and we were on a Zoom call uh, drinking champagne. I think Rohan was crying. I was probably crying too. I don't think Rohan was crying. Rohan was there to make a me cry. I know that. Oh, much. that's true. I just, I remember looking or watching all the things that were coming out that night and all this stuff. And Giannis is Im- immediately pivoting towards the next one. And it's Giannis. I yeah. don't expect anything less. I know. A decision like this will not be made without his input. And it's certainly grown a lot greater now than where it was the last time they fired a coach of high profile. Um, and it certainly seems a very Giannis type thing of building towards our next championship season. <laughs> I don't know when that will happen. I really don't know when that will happen. And that's the scary thing. I I think we all want to see this run end. Not end, but we want to see this keep going. We want to see this go as far as it can. But like, Bud was so tied to all this. Bud, the fact that the breakfast club, the, the big meeting between him, Giannis, and Chris, and how far they've they grew together. You know what I mean? Like that, it's, it wasn't just with those three. Brooke was instrumental to this. Eric Bledsoe, once upon a time, did help this team take a next step, even if yeah. he wasn't the answer. Yeah, Drew level, Holiday, leveling up each time. Exactly. And it just sucks. It, it really, this it, is you, I, you get to the mountaintop and the next level up is really tough to do then. And that's they're now having to level up from a two-time coach of the year, NBA champion head coach, multiple time NBA champion assistant coach, a coach who arguably has the greatest coaching tree of anyone in the NBA now. Currently. Yeah. Like and someone who had a great relationship with the players, who built a great culture, who players wanted to play. I'm just seeing Damian Lillard tweeted, uh, folks out here firing championship coaches as soon as they don't win the chip. I do think there is something very different to the noise that has been around this from a media perspective and the type of people who write about the NBA in the media and even the fan backlash to have players view this stuff. This is not necessarily the kind of move that will endear the books as an organization to players mm-hmm. outside of Milwaukee. And also it may apply to books. Like I I do think there's a difference between Giannis's input in this decision and his approval. And he wouldn't have given his approval to any decision like this. That's we know that at this point he's not that guy. He would keep or remove. They will have gone to him and said, Look, this is the move we feel like. We've got to make. It's the time to do it. And I'm sure Giannis's response was, look, I love Bud. We've had a lot of special times together. You guys, I, I think this is one thing where when, what he says 
publicly is probably the same as what he says privately. Like, John Horst, that's your your job. You're the best at what you do. You have to make the decision, you know, and you make the decision. I'll go with that. The thing when stuff like that always comes up around coaches, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Yano says now because if the next coach isn't delivering or if he doesn't get along with the next coach or he doesn't feel like the next coach matches his game, it doesn't matter how he felt at the moment that they told him they were going to fire Bud, whether he was like, yeah, it's time to change or not. He'll care if the next coach, he's not winning as many games. Um, Let's hope it doesn't come to that. I mean, we will, we will have podcasts and we'll probably have uh crossover episodes with Ty and Rowan, where we work through coaching candidates and we work through exactly what the profile should be or what the books will be looking for. Honestly, that might be a good crossover episode because I think I think the old guys over here on Winning Six might have different ideas to those young books in Eurostep. We may be able to debate some of that out on the ideas of what a what the next head coach in a Milwaukee book should look like. Um but yeah, I apologize if this is a glum episode for a lot of people listening. If this isn't what I, think I, just, people, I don't know how anybody can think of it. But I, I, I do. Th- I think there's really? a lot of people who think that this Bud has held the books back from years. They would have had multiple championships without him. And finally, they've done it. It's onwards and upwards. And one, what I'd say to that is show me the coaching candidates. I really don't believe Nick Nurse is it. Look, we'll have the opportunity to talk about that at a later point. My feelings about Nick Nurse are well documented. I'd find them pretty tough to get past. But beyond that, uh, the way his time finished with Toronto, mm-hmm. and even, I guess, how relationships with Nurse seem to develop over time for players, that would be a change from Bud, all right? Um, I don't think that would have been a change that anyone was calling for or felt was going to solve anything. So... Like and and beyond nurse, am I forgetting someone? Is there a standout right there right now? The, the thing I will say is this book's job is appealing enough that we could get a complete wild card where someone who is in a job could be like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather coach Giannis. Um, which doesn't doesn't happen very often, but could happen. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I just got distracted with something. Um, that is ultimately my big question now. So you you pull the trigger, but is gone. This move, I'm not going to judge by their statement, but the refocus, like, what does that entail? What are they really? Are if if they do ultimately say go to someone like Charles Lee? Then what you're ultimately saying is we wanted what Bud did, but we didn't want to have the stink of a first round collapse on it. And I don't know. Honestly, that might be what they want, and that might be the most sensible thing for them to do. <laughs> be like, oh, the players know and like this guy. And certainly he understands I think move... how to how to build and maintain a culture like this. And yeah. maybe he has different basketball ideas. Let's try that. And we could find out that Charles Lee is not a great head coach. Now, I mean, the one thing on that is, and we talked about Bud's coaching tree, like, 
every single one of his assistants has got a that has got a head coaching job has been really good. Like there, yeah. there isn't like Kenny Atkinson is maybe the worst of the bunch, and Kenny Atkinson is a really good coach. He was put in very tough situations. Like Quinn Snyder is a great coach. Taylor Jenkins, great coach. Darvin Ham proving to be a very good coach. The thing about Atkinson too, and why it just worked is like, yeah, you had every you had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving come to your team, and ten months later you got fired. Yeah, he was doing great I mean, before that. Before at, the whole thing was turned upside down on what he was. He was hired. And he was famous, and I remember talking about this at the time when the books hired Bud. He was. Bud has always been known for player development, but Kenny Atkinson was the player development and skills guy. Kenny Atkinson was the coach who would go out there and really put the individual work in with guys. I don't believe that I'm misremembering this. I think the vitamins was a Kenny Atkinson thing from the Hawks days that Bud carried over. I believe that was actually something he started um, and it was to work specifically with Jeff Teague and Dennis Schroeder. He was the guards kind of coach with the Hawks. So the Nets hired this great development coach who got all these young up and coming, but middle of the road players to really overachieve. And then anyway, we're getting sidetracked onto that. The point is all of those guys have been really good. And maybe that's the reason they do say, you know, Charles Lee is the guy. And I like Charles Lee a lot, and I think Charles Lee may well be a really good head coach. Could be the move. It still, it feels tough. It feels like <laughs> there there aren't many assistant coaches who will ever boast the resume that Bud did as an assistant coach. And yep. now he's someone who has won 60 games and achieved consistent excellence with multiple franchises as a head coach. And he has won an NBA championship. And people shit on him relentlessly. Um, it's just, just incredible. Yeah. But to find a resume like his, like you won't find an assistant with that much winning experience, with that much knowledge. Let's let's wrap this up and let's circle back to Bud. Should I should I shouldn't ask this question, but should to you because we are we're biased in a certain way on this. How should Bud be remembered by the books? And I'll start that beyond by books fans. By the organization? Yeah. I know this thing doesn't happen immediately after a coach has been Fired, particularly with I think an organization like the books who are just not good at this. Well, we know that they're not because yes, the not saying too much. The last well, thing they had. Well, we what we can say and what we can point to is the Larry Costello episode we did on the pod where we got into the absolute basics of this. More, more to come and also you know what listeners if you're looking for an upside to the books there's a 4-1 to the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs Jordan and I have a longer off season than we expected and we've yeah. got a books documentary that we've got plenty of work to do on um, that's that's what's inspiring me to ask this question because we did that episode because we were 
not just concerned because it has gone long past the point of concern. We're disheartened at how Larry Costello's place in the franchise's history was not being recognized or remembered. And honestly, that bridges across multiple ownerships. Um, it could have happened much speedier, except things got weird. It could have happened in the ownership group that followed that, or the one that followed that, or the one that followed that to bring us to present day. And no one has really taken the kind of steps to recognize Ari Costello and what he did. Do you anticipate the same with Bud? Or is this a different situation? Because Bud is ultimately a hire of... I will say this ownership group, although it's not entirely true now, now that we've had part of the group schism off. Is it easier to, you know, remember Bud, to recognize Bud, because in part you'll also be patting yourself on the back? I think part of the difference that I would likely envision here is that I do believe we're not... This is... Bud will have the last laugh here. He's going to coach again somewhere. He's too talented. His track record is far too proven not to be considered for another coach. And yeah, or for another coaching gig. And I know people probably laugh at that when that happens and they will be ready come playoff time to for his lack of adjustments or whatever. It's like we 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 live through that and we live through that sneering throughout a postseason where he won a championship. Yes. And I think the fact that it he will have a coaching career beyond Milwaukee will help help him with that. That was far different with Larry Costello for reasons to be explained later. But in terms of like how do you honor the second head coach to ever give you a a title in franchise history. Or the the coaching suits that he was wearing during his first two years at the, the team. <laughs> Do they retire like Dasani water bottles to never be drunk again? And Pfizer, <laughs> they, <laughs> they should do that anyway. Jordan, having actually tasted the stuff, yes, I think they should exactly. do that anyway. Um, I don't know. I like this is a coach. <laughs> The reality is, the worse it gets from here from the books, the better it will be for Bud in the, you know, the entirety of time. Um, if the books just absolutely fall off a cliff from here, look, give it 10, 15, 20 years, you'll probably get a statue, Bud. Um, I, I do think there probably should be a banner of some sort to, and there should be one to recognize Costello as well. And I think that would also be the way to do it. You've had two coaches win you a championship. You want to give them a joint banner and you want to put any other coach who wins the championship up on that same banner? Fine, go for that. But I... It's I, not nothing. I It's not nothing. I would like to see them do something in even the smaller kind of side of things sooner rather than later. Because honestly, I mean, there's no evidence that this is ending with bad blood like organizationally or with players. It's just... If anything, I doubt Bud feels too great right now about how he's been treated. Um, yeah, that exactly. So you talk about being family and the guys and being part of everything that you built, and then you're the one falling on the sword for this. And people can disagree with me or agree with me or whatever they want, but like 
that that stings. That really stings. And you could easily be, you know, egotistical about it and be like, what were you guys before me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is that he's has the highest winning percentage in Bucks history. Yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, an MV, a multiple or a back-to-back MVP player played for him. I understand that the players go out and achieve those wins, but I don't know. It, it is, it's a really tough pill to swallow. And I understand it very clear headedly, if that's a word, but it is, um, man, it's a, it's just, it's just crazy. We were literally had that podcast two weeks ago, today, like two weeks ago on this day. I'm talking about Bud and just like where the Bucks are at, and it's li- no, everything that we talk. It's gotta be longer, right? No, the Three playoffs weeks? started. The playoffs started the whatever it was. I guess it's, it's like a week since they're done. It was three weeks. Three weeks. I don't know. Time is going by too fast. Anyway, I'm just saying that things have just changed so fast with the Bucks that literally, again, Pandora's box is open and. Decisions get a lot harder from here on out. That much is clear. Mike Budenholzer has 485 career wins to his name, which is good enough for 37th all time as things stand. Um, He has a career winning percentage of 604. Jordan Tresky, of the 36 coaches ahead of Mike Budenholzer, in all-time wins how many or you can just start listing those who you believe um have a higher winning percentage than bud and i will give you one hint here and say this is not a long list and Uh, i got three that come to mind now go on phil jackson phil jackson has the I mean, we'll say the all-time highest winning percentage of qualified coaches in this category at 70.4%. Steve Kerr. Uh, Steve Kerr has a higher winning percentage, but for the moment, although not for long necessarily, has fewer wins, so he doesn't qualify. Uh, Pop. Pop has 64.2% winning percentage um how many more are there i believe there are only three other coaches pat riley correct 63.6 percent um red auerbach 66.1 percent does bill russell count no (laughs) no he was yeah he had other times don nelson no, you were on the right track with Bill Russell. Tommy Heinsohn? No. What? Eleven time champion as a player, as a Boston Celtic. What? Eleven times? Oh, um two time champion as a coach with the Boston Celtic. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. That's it. Yes. That's the list. So, Pop, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Red Auerbach, Casey Jones. 
the only coaches Mike to have won more games <laughs> than Bud with a higher winning percentage. <sighs> it's a bold call, books. Let's hope you know what you're doing. Uh, the sad, second saddest thing? Cool. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I mean, it does. We can, this can be TBD. I mean, we've kept bits going long past her cell by date in the past, and others have naturally died out. We can assess this. Maybe this will be the next head coach of your Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, maybe not, though. Possibly for the last time. Who could say? Jordan Tresky presents your Mike Dunlap Tweet of the Week. God damn it. That's so soon. Anyway. Tweeted at 5.27 p.m. May 4th, 2023. But literally got fired a half hour before it. And look who's tweeting. Life indeed a box of chocolates. So honored to have worked for C Bud, comma, staff, comma. Uh he must have thought it was another paragraph. Players and Bucks organization. Incredible experience, rich with great friendships and fans that are second to none. Go Bucks. Okay, I have a few things to say. <laughs> I cannot believe this fucking guy. <laughs> he quoted Forrest Gump. Don't quote Forrest Gump when Bud gets fired. Secondly, did you see his tweet yesterday? Oh, I did. He the was Packers hanging out with the one before. He was yeah, he was. Before. He was at the Packers. Learning never stops. Um, the tweets before that where they were all about him just giving everything away and his blueprint and I have been told for years that I should be more secretive with blueprint material I obviously don't feel that way <laughs> we've noticed Coach Dunlap uh, should I respond a... to him and say thank you coach and may the Mike Dunlap tweet of the week live <laughs> Jordan you do what you want People, if you go and check out that tweet and Jordan's reply is there, feel free to really bump up the engagement to encourage Mike Dunlap to come on the pod. Uh, Please. Honestly, the chances of that may have got greater, as sad and unfortunate as that is. So, yeah, that does it for us for this episode. Um, Thanks, as always, to all of you for listening. And I will... uh, I don't know, did you guys, you probably did this at the end of the episode. I haven't listened to the other episode either. Again, I've been, you know, I've been processing. Uh, Thanks to everyone, though, who listened throughout the season, who have listened to Jordan and I for many, many seasons at this point. We never take that for granted. We really, really appreciate it. It's continues to be stunning, and even more so year on year when we get a sense of, Jesus Christ, this many people are listening to us on an episode-to-episode basis. Do we know exactly why, Jordan? <laughs> I I wouldn't go as far as to say yes, but the people listen and are eternally, eternally kind um, with everything they say to us. So 
even an episode like this where it is grim and we know it is grim and we wish it wasn't and we're doing our best to to pull through it and I don't know give all of you what maybe you need or have the kind of conversation that maybe you don't get elsewhere I think that's always part of what we bring um a brand we appreciate you we appreciate you not how we wanted this year to end uh, I tweeted this time will always be a special season for me as the first season when I finally got to Milwaukee, not making me feel greater. Jordan, just before we started recording, it's like, oh, do you know you were there for Bud's last win? Uh, regular, season win. regular season win, which some would say, you know, that's the ultimate Bud win will be the regular season win. Um, doesn't make me feel greater. Don't feel like I'm going to be telling people about that in 20 years time. But um it was great to finally get over to not only get to meet Jordan in person, spend time with him and the rest of the crew, but to get to know and meet a number of our listeners too. More to that in the future. Hopefully the future is bright for the books. We will keep on trucking along oh, and we've got a, we got an interesting off season. Uh, honestly, of the kind we haven't had in many years. I mean, maybe there's a certain point where we'll get excited for just the varied content we're going to have. We're not there yet, but they're going to give us some talking points that we haven't had to deal with in quite some time. As always, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Eurostep Podcast Network, that's where you'll get every episode of Winning Six, plus every episode of the Eurostep with Ty Windish and Rowan Cotty. Ty and Rowan are currently slated to have a new episode out on Monday, so they will give their reaction, and you'll hear from Jordan and I again soon, and you may hear from the whole team pretty soon into next week talking to tundra i don't know how this happened jordan how quickly things turned around but i feel like maybe the most like happy and optimistic <laughs> of the pods on the earth step podcast network <laughs> uh it wasn't all that long ago maybe two weeks where the Brewers, oh, the Brewers, what a sight to behold. The Bucks, what a team, what a team chasing more history. And the Packers were mired in misery, just hoping, hoping that this guy would leave. He just beat it. Well, he left. A new era dawns. Jordan and Numak have it all covered over in Talk of the Tundra. You're probably on top of that already. You're probably already listening. If you're not, though, this is, I'm going to stress it now because there are probably some books fans who are like, just give me something else. Give me, give me anything else. Something that can be a little bit brighter, which I know I, I wouldn't have believed it two weeks ago either, but it is now. Green Bay Packers talk, talk to Tundra, our Packers pod. Who doesn't want more Jordan that's already listened to Winning Six? Plus, you get New Mac, and you may not know yet, but. You want new Mac. He's a terror. You want you want them in your life. Here's for a bruising. Uh, if you want to listen to Andrew Snyder and I break down the Brewers getting swept by what was the NL worst Colorado Rockies, there's a podcast for that. The good news, they're no longer the NL worst team. That's the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think we can all, you know, we can all get behind that. 
tough couple of weeks with the Brewers. Injuries catch it up. Offense going cold. Pitching not great. <laughs> All of that together, not a fantastic combination. But in a good spot in the standing, still lots of time to get things right. It's a long, long season, Jordan. Last but by no means least, make time for this, our podcast for all things pop culture. Um, no episode this week. Milwaukee sports events have uh, have interfered and had their say on that. We'll be back early next week with an episode on Peter Pan and Wendy, Jordan. The latest film from David Lowry, who's one of Andrew and mine's favorite filmmakers and honestly one of the most interesting directors on the planet because he goes from making weird Arthurian like epics like the Green Knight for A24 to making Peter Pan and Wendy for Disney he made Pete's Dragon for Disney before he made a ghost story one of Andrew and my favorite films of the past few years no one else is just like yeah I'm gonna make some really weird indie shit and then I'm gonna go and make a family film for Disney and goes back and forth between that Fascinating guy, fascinating filmmaker. We're going to talk about him on the next episode of that show. GSPN.info, you'll find the details on all other things. Eurostep Podcast Network. That does it for now. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Keep your heads up. But also, if you're celebrating right now, if you're celebrating a bit too hard, wind your neck in. This is... We've a long way to go. This may not be something worth celebrating. We'll find out in time. Until next time. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, bud. Thank you, bud.